Well, I want to start a new series this morning called Greatest Story Ever. And, and I, I like leaning on that ever part just a little bit there. But I want to share with you about the greatest story ever. How many of you know there's a lot of great stories out there? How many of you have had some great stories? How many of you know that some of your great stories get changed and morphed over time? You know, <laughs> that fish you caught, you know, as, as, as time goes on. Well, there's all kinds of stories out there. Uh, I looked and uh, last year there were two, almost 2.5 million new books published last year, just in a year. And there's so many books out there that are classic or contemporary or, um, you know, all the different genres, everything from research to romance to, to, to whatever. And there's uh, classic and contemporary and then there's short stories. How many of you know sometimes a short story will do just fine? And then other times there's these epic um, novels. And I just wanted to list a few of the stories and then I want to head into what I think is the greatest story ever. Um, the Old Man in the Sea, Moby Dick. Othello, Don Quixote, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, War and Peace, Diary of Anne Frank, Gulliver's Travels, Lord of the Rings, Gone with the Wind, Charlotte's Web, Cat in the Hat, (laughs) Hunger Games, and the list goes on and on and on of all kinds of stories. But then there's the greatest story ever. And it has action, it has adventure, it has mystery, but most of all, it's, it's a love story. And it starts out this way. Once upon a time, well, actually, it began before time. And we find it in the Bible. And I want to read to you an excerpt from the beginning of the story and from the end of the story and let you see kind of the bookends on this. And it will intrigue you to find out what's in the middle. But I want to start out here with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, in the beginning, and and catch every word on this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then we jump to the end. And in Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was also, also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. This is an incredible story. It's the greatest story ever. And we find it in the Bible. And the Bible is more than just a collection of books. It's more than a collection of stories. Uh, 39 authors over 1,600 years wrote 66 books, uh, 1,189 chapters, 31,000 verses, multiple different genres, and then it's divided up into an Old Testament and a New Testament. And I want you to watch me for this. And it's an incredible, incredible book. All of it is inspired by God. And we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. 
I'll go over that again. The Old, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And if you just have the Old Testament by itself, you have a lot of things going on that actually are, are signs and symbols and they're figurative and, and symbolic and they're, they're uh, speaking ahead. They're signaling ahead something that they only fully make sense then when the lamb that was sacrificed for our sins in the Old Testament actually was foreshadowing the lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. And time and time and time we have things like that. And it's this incredible, incredible story. And by story, I don't mean fiction. By story, I mean this incredible story. And it is, if you'll help me, it's the greatest story ever. It is also, and I want to give you a $5 theology word here too, okay? It is a meta-narrative. It's a meta-narrative. So meta is the big, first, uh, huge narrative is a story. This is the big story. And here's the thing about the big story. It's God's story. Y'all with me this morning? Some of y'all look like you're still on tryptophan. You know, you, okay, so you get with me. This is God's story. Now, now get with me on this. You're in the story. You're in the story. We're all in the story. As a matter of fact, I can't say, you know, what chapter and verse, but I'll show you in just a few moments here how this whole story frames out, and you'll see that all of us are in this story. We're all in it. Actually, it is through this story and the context of this story that we actually find out who we are, why we're here, what our purpose is, what our future is, how all of this works. Further, everything and everybody will only find their true purpose and true meaning in the context of this story. If you try to live life or have things or whatever, aside from the story, you don't want the story, you just want to do your deal. It, it won't be the real purpose. It won't make real sense. It will not have fulfillment in it. It has to fit with the story. And so this is an incredible thing. We're in it, and let's look for us in this story. Now, you're going to have to bear with me, though, because this is the epic cosmic story of all time, and I'm going to unfold it for you in four weeks, okay? And not even four full weeks, because every week I'm just getting 30, 35 minutes, you know, to kind of uh, lay some things out for you. But my prayer is, is that we'll see this in a better way, and we'll start to frame everything uh, within the story. It's going to make much more sense. You'll start to live, think, worship, pray, everything different uh, as you see the, the whole big story here. As you read the Bible every day, not the whole Bible, but as you read from the Bible every day, and I believe that you should have daily intake of and exposure to the Word of God. You're not going to grow. You're not going to be healthy. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to be getting closer to God without the Bible. You have to have His Word. It is, it is bread, it is meat, it is water, it is milk. You have to desire it so that you can grow. Jeremiah says that I need this and I choose this and I desire this more than my necessary food. And you know how we are about our food, okay? And, and I've got to have this more than food. So you've got to have that. But I pray that you'll transition a little bit and not just read the Bible. Here's what a lot of people do, to just get a word for the day. Now, you need a word for the day. You need of this. You need morsels, nuggets. You need truths from God's word every day. But I pray that you won't just cherry pick and get something and try to make it fit what your, what your deal is at the moment. But instead that you'll read this with, with it framed in by the whole big picture. 
And some things are going to take on whole new light and a whole new meaning for you as we again, and I, I know I'm using this phrase over and over, but we've got to frame it within this whole big picture. That's where everything fits. Everything fits. All right. You still with me? Uh, we're looking at this at Christmas time because if, if we were to divide all this up into chapters, one of the most important and pivotal chapters in this whole big story is what happens at Christmas. And we'll see that more and more as the, as the weeks go on and where that fits. But I need to set a few things up for you prior to that. So I'm going to uh, write out some words. And actually, I'm not going to write out the words because some of them are long. And that's a lot of pressure, okay? So um, I'm going to kind of note for some words. But I'm going to have them in the back. I'm going to have Terry in the, in the back in the control room. She's going to put up some words. Uh, for us so you can see them and then I'll just kind of note them on here. But I was thinking about that this morning. We've got these folks that work really hard, do uh, an awesome job on some technical things and they never are seen and they don't do it to be seen, but they help us with uh, the video that's going on. We've got some out here, but we've got a, a crew back in the back room. We've got we got people on cameras all over, people running sound, doing all those kind of things. But back in the control room, they're projecting all of that up for you. They're putting up the words for the songs. They're putting up the scriptures. You know, the different things that are going on, the timing with videos and all of that is them back there. When I ask for things like that, it's all back there. And they never get to be seen. And I just thought it'd be fitting to thank them today. But I wanted to show them to you, first of all. We took a picture this morning. They were back there getting ready for service. And they're back there. And it's an awesome, awesome place to work. But would you thank them this morning? Michael, Terry, Robert, all the people back there. Thank you. Thank you very much. And they're good people. They're real patient. If you let them out every afternoon for a little bit out in the yard, they, they're, they're really good. So anyway, Terry's going to be helping me here. And we're just going to hit some highlights to, to frame a couple things out. And then we're going to start to break this down. I really feel when you leave here today, you're going to have a, a whole different uh, view on some things today. We'll start out right here with creation. Creation. Everybody say creation. And you know about creation. You can read about that in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. And we do believe in creation. And then what happened then is the fall. Everybody say the fall. And then, and, and that's not the autumn, you know, leaves falling. That has to do with original sin and humankind falling. And then after that, we have redemption. Everybody say redemption. And really, redemption, so that we can understand it here this morning, is to fix things and make them right again. Like if you messed something up, but then you redeemed yourself. You know, uh, I saw a guy yesterday miss a short pass. And it's like, you got to be kidding me, as I sit on my couch. You know, and I watch some guys get tackled, and I think, I'd be out of work four weeks if, if I got hit like that. But he missed a short pass, but on the very next play, he had this long pass, like 30-yarder or something that, that he caught. What did he do? He kind of redeemed himself. So he took something that was messed up, and he, and he made it good, okay? So on a much higher level, redemption. And then our last big word here, consummation. Everybody said consummation. And this actually has, means the whole story coming down to, the, to an end. Um, there's a couple other sub-points that we want to look at. You've got creation and then the fall of man. And here God began to initiate covenants. Everybody say covenants. A covenant is an agreement. It's like a contract. And God entered into covenant with, with some people, with some groups, with some individuals. Um, and we'll talk more about that in, in the weeks to come. But it's a, a, a 
contract-like, and if you'll do your part, uphold your end of that, there's real blessing. If you don't, then there's, there's some, some penalty at times even. And so we have covenant, and then we have Israel. Everybody say Israel. And I'm not necessarily talking about the, the actual land over there right now. I'm talking about a people group that we see in the Bible right now for, for this purpose right here. And they were God's chosen people, not at the rejection or exclusion of any other people group. It's just that God chose a, 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 a people and he said, I'm going to make you my people. Ultimately, you ready for this? To make everybody else jealous of what it's like to be in contact, communion, covenant with God. That if you'll be my people and I'll be your God, if we'll, if we'll live in that covenant, people say, I, I want in that family. How many of you, when you were growing up at times, wanted to be in another family? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but there, there are times that, you know, wow, they get to do this. They got that. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I was growing up in the last century. I can remember, I wanted to be in their family because they, uh, this one family, uh, because they had air conditioning and the mom wore perfume. And there's plenty more, you know, but I thought, man, they had a sailboat and everything. I wanted to be in that family. Are you all with me? But see, ultimately God wanted to use Israel then uh, to just demonstrate. Plus, we'll see in the weeks to come too, there's a bloodline that he established that there would be a lineage that would go, read all the begats. Okay, go to Luke 3. Not right now, but read Luke 3 and you're going to see the begats and it's going to take us right up to Jesus. It's going to take us all the way from Adam, the son of God, and to go through this whole line. And Abraham's going to be there and, you know, David, and it's going to go all the way through and it's going to bring us to our Redeemer. Okay, so redemption comes and then we have... Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Pentecost. And this is, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead and a number of things had taken place. And this was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this was the birth of the church. It was the power to be his people. And then we have one more we'll do, mission. Everybody say mission. And that is that the redeemed of the Lord, he helps them. They grow in this thing called church, community, And then they have mission and their mission, our mission is God's mission. And God's mission is to bring about the right consummation. And that is right now, it's to let everybody know about redemption, to let them know about good news. And we let them know in every way that we can. I said, we let them know in every way that we can. Please know that this R is not religion. This R is redemption. And let the redeemed of the Lord not just say so, let them show so. It should, it should be that, that, that people are jealous that God is our God and we are his people. They can see, and, and no matter what's going on in the earth, my last sermon of this year that I will do on the last Sunday of the year is going to be called Ready or Not. And we're, we're going to talk about no matter what is ahead, you need to know who your source is. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to all of that, how God takes care of his own. Amen. Well, let's get back to this story. You still there? In this story, we have a, as any good story does, we have a, a protagonist. And the protagonist is uh, the chief uh, character, the central figure, and it's the good guy, it's the hero. 
And so we have in this great story the divine protagonist and, and he is God. Okay? He is God. And then we, we have an antagonist because, you know, if we just have all good, it's not really much of a story. Y'all there? So we have an antagonist. And so that's the bad guy. Who would that be? The devil. The devil. So follow this. You have a protagonist. You have an antagonist. We have one more group, and that is the agonist. And that is, that is us. And we are subject to influence and activity from the pro, that's good, the protagonist and the antagonist, and there we are. And so we have a free will. Now, if I were God, let me just stop real quick. How many of you are glad I'm not God? But if I were God, I wouldn't have done that one. Because how many of you know that most of your problems is because of your free will? Okay, so that's a whole nother thing. And we'll leave that because God said he set it up that way. And so that's the story. And we're going to go with the story and he'll help us all the way through. So we're the agonist in all of this. And you need to know that the protagonist and the antagonist are very busy. And you and I are going to have to make some good decisions in all of this. And then the plot ultimately is redemption and reconciliation. Redemption, again, is that what was broken, what was messed up gets fixed. And reconciliation is more of a relational term. And so it's like if, if you have a, a good, good friend and then something happens and you all kind of get split up a little bit. You're, there's separation. If you get reconciled, it's brought back together again. Made one again. Brought back together again. And so that's God's plot. You know, that's what he ultimately wants to happen in this. Is what he intended from the beginning. That he would be our God and we would be his people. He tried that through numerous covenants and it failed. He had to bring his son to come and make the new blood covenant uh, with us. And then finally, the consummation of this, I read it in Revelation 21, is that he is our God and we are his people. And you know what? And ultimately, when we get into that, there's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. There's no more tears. And it's just like what he intended in the first place. And ultimately, it'll end up in that place. Y'all excited about this at all? Yeah, I could tell. And so... Let's, let's start to break this down a little bit. We have the one infinite living God living in timeless perfection. I like that. Timeless perfection. This is before time. This is before space. This is before matter. This is before energy as we know it. And we've got God in that. And, and then here's something. You've got to watch me for this. And God is a trinity. He is Father. Help me. Son. And Holy Spirit. But watch this. He is three and he's one. And he's one and he's three. How many of you understand that? No, you don't. (laughs) None of us do. What we do is we, by faith, understand it. We accept it. How many of you fully understand your microwave? (laughs) No, but you'll walk right up there and go, right? And we, we fully accept it. We understand how to work it, but we do not understand how it works. And so there are a number of things along the way with this. There are many aspects and many concepts in this incredible story. Stay with me on this. So many things in this story, aspects, concepts 
that are beyond our comprehension. Here's the sad part. There are some people that won't accept this remarkable story because they can't reason it all out. Now think about it. They, they can't handle three, one, what are you talking about? Um, they can't handle that the Redeemer would come, but he was born of a virgin. They can't handle that, what do you mean God spoke and it existed, created? What, what are you talking about? There'll be aspects of this that people can't reason out. Now listen to me for a moment. Just because we can't, because we can't figure it all out, let, let me put it to you this way. If the only God that you can believe, the only God that you can serve is a God that you and I could fully figure out and understand... Let me tell you about that God. He's puny. The only God that you can trust and believe in is a God that you and I can totally figure out. That's a puny God. And you know what? He's not going to be much help for you. He's not going to be able to save you. I need a God who's bigger than I am. Church, get with me this morning. I need, I need a God who can outthink me. I need, I need a God who has, has better problem-solving skills than I do. Greater strength, greater resolve, greater... I need, I need somebody way, way bigger than me. And so I understand that, that God is just big and great. And there's some things we're never on this side of it all fully going to understand, comprehend, be able to reason out or even explain to people. But as we'll see in a moment, by faith we understand some things. Let's, let's look some scriptures on this. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts... Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as, high as the, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Everybody say, I'm good with it. And then in Romans eleven thirty three, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. And I'll say it again. I, I'm, I'm good with it. And so do not let the fact that we don't understand everything in the story. Have you ever watched a movie before and it's over and you got parts of it, but you thought, I'm going to need to see this one again. You know, well, this is on a whole nother level, even, even beyond that. There's just some aspects, some, some concepts that go along in this, that, you know, if you're depending only on this to get it, you're not going to get, but you can get it with this and you can come to accept it by faith. Let's move on and talk now about creation. The first recorded external act of this God who was living in timeless perfection is creation. Creation. We're not going to go into all of creation today. We can't. Again, that's my challenge just to cover all this in, in four weeks here. But God created, and, and here's what happened. He took nothing. He created everything that there is out of nothing, and then he hung it back on nothing. And again, that's one of those things where, you know, that kind of wants to put us in tilt. In John 1, 3, it says this, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In Hebrews eleven three, it says, by faith, we understand. Notice those words, by faith, we understand. It's not just we understand, because we don't. But by faith, we understand it. So by faith, I come to terms with. By faith, I can accept and operate with 
that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so God creates and now time began. And we go back up here, time begins. And in the first chapter, we even see that he separated night from day and and he started to mark things off so that you had day and night and you had seasons and you had, you had years. And so time begins. Not only does time begin, now we have time. We also have matter and we have space and we have energy. And we have one other thing I want to point out today. Humans. Humans. And here's the thing about humans. What does the scripture say is unique about the humans that he made? And it's us. I feel like I'm talking about somebody else. It's us, Okay. That we are made, how? In the likeness and the image of God. Just say it. I am made in the likeness and image of God. Okay, so God creates us out of the dust of the earth. He breathes into us. The spirit of God comes in and now we are a living being. And we're made in the likeness and the image of God. The Latin theological word is the imago Dei. And get a hold of this. It's the image of God. This is so, so important that you understand we're not just globs of flesh. We are all, say all. We are all made in the likeness and the image of God. And, that's, and this is important because of this. This means that every person, say every person. Every person, every person crea- is created in the likeness and the image of God. Every person has the capacity to believe God. Every person has the capacity to fellowship with God. And there's a good one. Every person has the capacity to be restored to fellowship with God. Here's something else. No one is beyond God's reach. No one is beyond God's influence. And all are capable of responding to God and his grace. Because God wired us in this way. Now, that image has been distorted. But there's still enough of the image, the likeness and image of God within us. We all, every person, look at me for this. Give up on no one. I'll say it again. Give up on no one. Because if they're made in the likeness and the image of God, they still have the capacity to respond to God. That's good news. So we have all of creation and God finishes creation. And then he declared three words over his creation. Do you remember what they were? It is good. It is good. Enter the antagonist. And he comes to human beings created in the likeness and image of God, the agonists. And through influence and through deception, the fall takes place. Now, don't worry, we're not going to cover everything in this today, but we have to hit something very important here. Original sin takes place. Rebellion occurs. It breaks the relationship with God. The original design now is distorted and marred. Sin ruins. I want you to say those two words. Sin ruins. And you know what it ruined then? Look at me. It ruins now. And you're never tempted to do good. You're tempted to do wrong. You're tempted to miss the mark. You'll feel better. This will work better. It's a shortcut, whatever. It's always, listen to me, it's always a lie. It always ends up in sin and sin ruins. 
Ruins relationships, ruins confidence, ruins joy, ruins peace, ruins your health, ruins your finances. It ruins whatever it touches. Sin ruins. Sin entered. And then man chose independence. He chose disobedience. And when you do those things, then you choose to lose. And here's what he lost. He was innocent. Now he's guilty. He was full. Now he's empty. He was covered. Now he's naked. He had peace. Now he's agitated. He had life. Now he has death. He exchanged light for dark. He exchanged truth for lies. And the divine image that was reflected perfectly now is distorted. And instead of the divine image, he's selfish and mean. The divine presence is separated from us. Relationship and fellowship with God is broken. And get this part. And now in between the creator God and his created humans, there's a break and a split. And it's important that you know this. Now in between God and man is a split. And what's in there is sin. Sin caused this. But God, every say, but God. But God's love God's wisdom, God's mercy, he began a process to restore and to redeem. And only God, please hear this, only God could fix this mess. Man tries, man still tries, but you need to know this, only God can fix this mess. How many of you have had something broken or something before and you thought, I'll get it, I'm good. And then you start into it and make a worse mess. And you end up, honey, where's the yellow pages? You know, because we, we need some help. Well, I, ne- I need to tell you, we need some help. Only God could fix this mess. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So ultimately what Jesus did to redeem us is through Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, follow this. Here's Christmas, ready? You ready? For God so loved the world, not just what he made, but who he made. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Christmas, y'all. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, which is what he wanted for you in the first place. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, not just what he made, but who he made but that the world through him might be saved. Philippians chapter two, verse five through eight. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. There's Christmas again. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And that's where we are with redemption here. Listen to me real quick. And we're, we're going to talk a lot about this more. This is why we're talking about it in December. Christmas is, Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into this mess. Through covenants, through all kinds of things, God tried to make things right. But he knew from the beginning, from the foundation of the world, that he would have to send Jesus to come. 
And what, what happens, why we sing joy to the world and why choirs of heavenly angels and wise men and all of that stuff comes together. The reason all that was going on is in, in essence, they were saying he's in, he's in, he's, he's in the earth. He's in human form. He's here. The plan is a go. And that's what all the rejoicing was about. And that's, that's what we're celebrating. Don't just put Jesus in the same category as frosty. We bring him out for a little bit and then he melts. We put him away for a year and then bring him back out to make the children happy. Listen to me. This is a whole different thing. All of that doesn't even fit the story if you lift, if you lift Jesus out of this. And what we're celebrating, we'll talk about it more. It's the entrance of our Savior into our world. Folks, he's in. And this is an exciting part of the story. He's in. He's in flesh. He's in the world. Plans on. Plans on. It's a go. Amen. Just say joy to the world. That's what that's about. We'll talk about that more later. So Jesus came and he grew up and he lived. And then he died as the sacrifice. He paid the penalty for the sins of the whole world, of all mankind. And now, and I need to draw your attention again here. And now, where before what was lying between the creator and the human race was sin. Jesus came and took the sin out of the way. And now the only thing between creator God and the human race is Jesus. And here's where you enter the story. Because of sin and brokenness and a free will, you have to make a decision. And if you accept You don't have to figure it all out, but if you accept what Jesus did for you, then you receive what he did for you. Forgiveness of sins and a new relationship with God. But if you reject it, and that's your only two choices. No, I just want to delay. Delay is a form of rejection. You know, if the first time I asked Alicia out, I said, what are you doing on Friday? Friday, Friday, Friday. I started feeling rejected. And she said, nothing. I said, good, you know. But delay is a, is a form of rejection. If you reject what Jesus did for you. Well, I, don't know, I can't believe all the story because I don't know how this happened in evolution and this and that and the Virgin Mary. And, 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 and You know what? You're wandering around and missing the point. If you reject what Jesus did for you, you remain in your sins You remain in your sins and alienated from God. And that's the crucial point in this whole incredible story. And Jesus even does house calls and he says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I'm trying to help you make the right choice here. Just let me in. Just let me in. That's what he came for. So that you would just accept him. And what he did. And you know what happens? And again, thank God we don't have to figure it all out. If you accept it, he takes away your sins. You're forgiven. And you have a new relationship with God. A God who loves you. And that's what this big story is about. We haven't covered it all, but I want to just shoot to the final scene, okay? The final scene. The grand finale. The big close. Consummation. 
The antagonist has been apprehended. He is imprisoned and being punished forever. The protagonist, the hero, God, is receiving, these are my words, he's receiving a standing ovation throughout of all of creation. And all glory and all honor and all power and all praise is being given to him. And get this, and every knee and every tongue is bowing before him and confessing. You're the hero. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. Every knee. Every tongue. And a voice cries out in heaven and says, who's worthy? And they said, there's one worthy. And, the, and it's declared in the book of Revelation. You are worthy to receive glory. Glory, honor, power, and praise. Forever, for two reasons. Distinctly two reasons. For you have created... And you have redeemed. And I want to go ahead and tell you, and the story ends up the way that God wanted that story to end up. We're in that story. Whether you like it or not, you're in the story. Whether you knew it or not, you're in the story. And your part is to make the right choice so you end up in the right place in the greatest story ever. I'm going to stop right there, but did you get anything at all out of this today?